You're listening to The Ecopreneur Show, a podcast that inspires entrepreneurs and creatives on how they can make a positive and meaningful impact in the world. I'm your host, Vanina. Every other week, I hang out with entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are creating real-life solutions for a more sustainable future. I feel by having raw conversations with ecopreneurs that will keep on inspiring us to take action in our own lives. Thanks for tuning in. In this episode, I hung out with Jocelyn Coral, the owner and CEO of GoBox, a reusable takeout container and cup service. We talk about how she went from working at Alta Bike Share to becoming the owner of GoBox, how the business is working on eliminating single use, and their rapid expansion in collaborating with other businesses all around the United States. My number one identity is cyclist, um, and it's okay. it's like it's who I am bef- before I am anything else is is cyclist. Whoa, yeah. I love that. And when did you like? When did you decide that sort of thing? You know, it's weird. I, I was just talking uh, about this yesterday with some folks. Um, I so I grew up in Texas, right. and I was that weird kid that was always riding bikes in Texas. And people in Texas like don't ride bikes, but it was just my go-to toy. Like I loved. I, I've always loved riding, and I went to college in te- in Austin, Texas, um, a small university uh, on the south side of town. And I took my bike and I rode everywhere. And I was like one of the very few people on campus riding. And then when I moved to Boston, I took my bike as well. And I remember my very first ride in Boston. It was terrifying. I had no idea what I was doing. It was completely like out of my element. I got a flat tire, and I nearly like I nearly died, or it felt that way just because the traffic was so intense. And so I remember going back to my apartment, like stuffing the bike in my in the closet and like slamming the door and being like I'm done with cycles with bikes I can't deal with this um and I started using the mass transit um and and then I acquired a car um and I just realized like I the mass transit thing was like um it just wasn't wasn't a good fit for me like it stressed me out having to go underground and like be trapped in this dark tunnel like like people everywhere um there there wasn't a lot of freedom there I just remember being like constantly stressed out and then when I started driving in Boston is like a nightmare uh I was rear-ended by a car and it like totaled the vehicle because the vehicle was like older um but at that point I was like I was like I don't know what else to do now like all my transportation options have kind of been you know, take, taken or, or deemed not a good fit for me. Um, and I was dating a person who was a cyclist and he was like, let's get this bike out of the closet. And he helped me fix it up. And he helped me like get the gear I needed to do and, and, and encouraged me to do it. And so I got back on my bike and proceeded to fall into like down a rabbit hole so, so deep that it became central to my, it, it became again, super central to my identity. And I've been riding bikes constantly since then. Wow. And then, um, I know that you also said, um, in, um, Peggy LaPointe's interview too, that you said you also, was that the same accident that you got into that kind of like changed things a lot too? Or is that, um, no, that I, I was hit by when I was riding, this was like three or four years later. So at this point I'm a, I'm a well-seasoned cyclist. Um, I was actually riding home from my job. I was working at a bike shop in the suburbs and I was commuting home and, um, yeah, was T-boned by a van and like tossed me across the roadway. And I got really lucky. I was, I was able to walk away. Um, 
But then I like immediately sat down on the sidewalk and the ambulance was on me immediately and like strapped me to the gurney, took me to the hospital, spent hours before they got me into the ER. And it just made me, um, what, what that crash did different from all the other kind of traffic, uh, issues prior to that was, um, it, it kind of, it changed my, uh, realization that I was not immortal. You know, that, that person, uh, almost took something significant, like almost took my life and, um, even more significant took like my, my innocence and just like how free I felt on my bike. So since then I've been a little, a much more cautious rider. I don't trust people quite as much any longer. Um, but so, and I was riding a custom bike and he totaled my custom bike. It was like so super, super sad, but I was able to parlay the insurance money, um, into getting my first mountain bike. And so I became, I was like, well, if cars aren't going to not hit me, then I guess I'm going to ride my bike in places where there aren't any cars. Um, so I became a, a mountain biker and, uh, that's, that's really where my heart and joy is, is like getting out into the forest and riding my bike through the trees. And, um, um, I, I mean, I like to do like the downhill mountain bike style. That's always super fun, but more and more I find myself bike packing. Um, so I'll go out for a weekend. I'll strap everything I need for the entire, like however long I'm out on my bike, basically like uh, hiking, backpacking, but instead of carrying the weight on my body, I load everything on my bicycle and uh, go out and, um, and just allow myself to slow down and realize that I actually don't need that much to live a good life. That's the best part of bike biking is realizing like, well, I'm just going to like when I'm hungry, I'm going to stop and eat. When I'm thirsty, I'm going to stop and drink. And then that's pretty much all I have to do today. Otherwise, I'm just like pedaling and like looking at the flowers and watching the birds and like breathing, which is such a nice um, counter counterbalance to what my Monday through Friday life is. Right. And is so. it like, does it have a set destination or are you... Yeah, with I've never heard of this is my first time hearing about oh. bike packing. Yeah. So is it one destination to another or is it just kind of you just keep on biking? There's a bunch of different ways to do it. Just like hiking, you could do like an out and back or you could do a loop or you can shuttle. You know, you could have your friend drop you off in one place and then pick you up in another place. Um, but there's a lot of options around here and where um, it's less single track. So it's, it's less like the really narrow dirt paths that you typically see mountain bikers on. And we're usually just riding on forest service roads that are gravel or sometimes they're even paved, but they, they're fenced off from vehicle access. So they're quiet. Um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And I, I'm part of an organization that is really actively trying to encourage more, um, women trans and femme riders to get out and adventure by bike, because it's still a very macho space. All cycling is even like commuter. Um, and we're actively trying to change that narrative because there are other people that like to ride bikes and, um, you know, and we, we want to feel safe out there or safer, at least create as safe a space as we can and just be really inclusive and, and, uh, draw people out to, uh, take advantage of like the mental health benefits that it offers primarily, but also just like general physical benefits too. Since we're talking about getting out into the wilderness, how did you, how did you first get into sustainability? Like, or why did you start getting into sustainability? Yeah. 
Um, so back in Boston, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I, at this point I'm a cyclist and I was, uh, working as a personal trainer actually. And, um, and that was really fun. Um, I was a total gym rat and then the recession hit and personal training, um, people just didn't have the, the same kind of, uh, disposable income to spend on that sort of a thing. So I was looking to get back more into a professional quote unquote professional realm. Um, and so I was, um, looking at job postings and found a job uh, with Zipcar. And this was back in the fairly early days of Zipcar. Um, they were headquartered in Boston. And I, as a cyclist, was like, oh, I can get behind a business that's trying to encourage people to not drive or like give up their cars because Zipcar, you can just share one. And in a dense urban environment at that point, I didn't have a car. So I was like, this is something that would be helpful for me as well. And I want to make it more accessible and helpful to other people. So I started working for them. And um, uh, really like found my little niche talking about like in promoting sustainability uh, and parlayed that into a move to Portland. I started working at the, at their office here in Portland um, and then um, navigated over to working with the streets trust. Uh, um, back then it was called uh, the Bicycle Transportation Alliance, but it's our local nonprofit organization that works with the city to advocate for um uh, pedestrian and cyclist rights. Um, and so I helped them coordinate their bicycle commute challenge, uh, which was really fun and was all just about like getting people out during the month of September uh, to ride bikes. Um, and that was a temporary gig. We, I, it was like a month and a half long. And so um, I had wrapped up that job and was like, now what? Now what am I going to do? And I got this phone call um, from somebody who worked at a fledgling business based here in Portland called Alta Bicycle Share. And they said, hey, we know you've been working uh, for the Bicycle Transportation Alliance and you have background in Zipcar. We're, we're trying to get this new thing off the ground called bike sharing. And would you be interested in, in coming in for an interview? So I did and um, uh, got the job on the spot and was like the third employee for Alta Bicycle Share. Um, and they had just launched. So Alta Bicycle Share is a um, contractor that cities hire to launch and manage bike share systems. So I joined uh, their team um, just a few, it was a month after they launched Capital Bike Share, which is the bike share system in Washington, DC. Um, and I worked with them through uh, bike share launches in Chattanooga, Tennessee, New York City, Chicago, San Francisco, and it was amazing. It was, it was like really incredible. I got to travel to all of these cities and be like boots on the ground. Um, like in New York, I, I moved there for a period of time to do these uh, outreach engagement efforts. And we would literally for a day drop one of those big bike share stations on the sidewalk uh, like with a crane truck, like we would drive a crane truck into Manhattan, we would drop the station, and then we would stand there and we would try to encourage M M Manhattanites to like come over and talk to us so that I could encourage them. Like, I'm like, bike share, like this is going to change your life. And they're like, you're a crazy person. I don't want to talk to you. Uh, and that was the nice, those were the nice people. Like we got a lot more really like aggressive. Um, we're like, you're going to get people killed. Like this is um, such a waste of public space, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that wasn't that long ago. And these days you turn on your television and you can see city bike in the background, like celebrities ride city bike. It's totally ubiquitous. And it's amazing. It was exactly what we wanted to see happen. Where it's like, we're going to, we're going to bring these thousands of bikes 
uh, we're going to unleash them into the city. And this is the new world order. And you don't trust us that it's going to work now, but, um, but now looking back, it's, it has become ubiquitous and, and bike sharing has gone through some trials and tribulations. There's been a lot of like, uh, consolidation in that space and, you know, Uber and Lyft now owning scooter companies and bike share companies and stuff like that as well. Um, but, um, all of that to say, you know, working in the car sharing space, working in the bike sharing space, when I saw the, heard of the opportunity for GoBox, I was like, that's container sharing. I've done that before. I have some working experience in that space. And so um, that's kind of what, uh, that's, that was the motivation to pivot from sustainable transportation to now working kind of in the materials management space. Right. Okay. So you were working for Alta, what was it, Bike Bike Skills Chair. And then, so then you heard about GoBox. How how did that form after? Because I know that it's, you've had the business for about a year and a half, right? So how did you make that transition? Was it from Ulta or was it? It wasn't. I, um, at the time I was actually working for a company called Portland Design Works. They're a local bike accessories manufacturer and I was the director of marketing and, uh, I loved it. It was a really small team. There was only four of us and, uh, you know, we were, um, we were putting out bicycle accessories that were um, slightly different than what you would typically find on the shelves of bike shops. And the whole point of it was to get people excited. You know, like if we give you this cute bottle cage that's in the shape of a bird, that's going to make you just that much more excited in the morning to go out and you, and you ride your bike and look down and see that little bird and just like bring a smile to your face. So I really was enjoying um, working for them, but I felt like, um, after four years, I'm like, I was getting a little itchy to try something next. Um, and there isn't a lot of, like, the, the bicycle industry here in Portland is rel- relatively small. And so there wasn't a lot of upward mobility within that kind of space. So I was starting to think of, like, all right, well, maybe I can devise my own business and and get something going. And it was all pertaining to bicycles. And, and nothing was presenting itself as, like, particularly lucrative. <laughs> so I was like, that sounds like a really good idea, but not going to make any money. So um, I, I was just kind of waiting for an opportunity to come along. And um, GoBox, I first heard of GoBox on Facebook, actually. The um, founder, Laura Weiss, had posted in a group called Women Bike that we were both in. And she was basically like, Hey, my business is for sale. I'm, I'm trying to retire. Here it is. And so I, um, I kind of stalked it for like a month being like, what is this thing? I never heard of GoBox before. Um, and, and so, uh, all of this was happening right around the time that, uh, as a, um, obsessive NPR listener, I was, I was hearing all about this national sword policy that China was enacting. And I'm like, what, what is this? What's going on? And, um, and basically China was saying, Hey, we stop sending us your recycling. We're not accepting recyclables any longer because it's not valuable. You, it's so contaminated that we're basically just having to throw it away. And, um, and that was kind of a shock to the system because I've always been a recycler and I'd like to assume that I was doing it correctly. But then I come to learn that we've all been doing it pretty wrong and we broke it. We, we broke it. (laughs) And and I'm like, what's next? Like how, where do we go from here? Like if recycling is broken and I wasn't exactly hearing, you know, like, uh, our, our national leadership stepping up to be like, we're going to rejuvenate a domestic recycling market. That wasn't happening either. Um, and so I was like, well, maybe, 
reuse. Maybe this little fledgling idea is something that could catch on. And, um, and that was what I kept my fingers crossed for when I signed the acquisition paperwork. Um, it took some time, like Laura and I worked together for three or four months. Um, you know, she, she was basically interviewing me. I was interviewing her. I was learning all about her business. She was learning all about me as a potential, you know, um, somebody to take over. Um, she wanted to make sure that the business was taken over by somebody that was going to do right by it and was going to build it. Um, and so we, we hit it off and, um, it didn't hurt that she was kind of on a timeline and was planning on retiring and moving to Bellingham, Washington with her husband. I love so. Bellingham. It's such a cute little town. Great mountain biking there too. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I signed the paperwork in, uh, early May and on June 1st, Laura moved. And it's been kind of just me uh, since then. She's a quick phone call away and we do, you know, uh, catch up fairly frequently. Um, but I give her a ton of credit. She, you know, she first launched GoBox in 2011. And that was a long time before people were talking about ocean plastics, straws being a problem, anything like that. So it was a huge uphill battle for her to kind of build out this foundation, but she did. And it was, it was a profitable little business, like operating in, in a limited capacity in downtown Portland, really focused on the lunchtime scene, kind of, she worked with a lot of food carts in downtown Portland. Um, but as soon as I came on board, this was six months into the national sword policy and, and people becoming really aware of like, oh my gosh, all of these plastics are just starting to like, stack up. We don't have any place to, to move it to. Um, we either need to like figure out like we're going to landfill it or we're going to start to burn it or something like that. And, um, you know, that's a, that's an emotionally burdensome awareness for consumers, but it also is for local businesses. And so a few months after I came on board with GoBox, um, I started speaking with New Seasons and they were like, we want to be a leader in this space. We know that we're actively responsible for produ producing a lot of single use plastic and we need to figure something else out. And so, um, Working with their sustainability manager for the past year has been amazing. Um, they're such a great partner for us, and it has really allowed us to expand pretty rapidly. Um, New Season Works is both a, a vendor in that they have our containers available for people to check out with their meals, um, but they also host drop sites on site. And those are the collection you know, receptacles where people bring dirty uh, reusables back to. So it's very convenient for people to, you know, visit New Seasons every single day. You can check out your reusable, you can return it. And they work as a, a cornerstone uh, in new neighborhoods that we launch into. So we, we get a new New Seasons and then it makes it easier for us to go around to all those smaller food vendors nearby and say, hey, there's a drop site in the neighborhood. There's a new, you know, we're partnered with New Seasons, like become a vendor and and we can just build out the density in this little neighborhood. So that's what we've been working to do. Wow. And so um, with New Seasons, so just so I understand, did you reach out to them or did they reach out to you? They How reached did you... out to us. Okay, gotcha. So did you, did you know that you wanted for GoBox to expand the way that it's been expanding? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, for a, from a strictly business perspective, you know, I, I definitely wanted to grow up just to be able to make the business more valuable. Um, but it's been uh, remarkably easy to do so, largely based on 
drive from other local businesses that want to work with us. Um, and that wasn't necessarily that something I was expecting. I was expecting it to be much more difficult to convince food vendors to partner. Um, but that hasn't been the case at all. We, we, we receive inquiries from local food vendors uh, on, on the daily wanting to be wanting to join GoBox. So, wow. yeah, it's really great. And we, it, it speaks very highly of our local business, uh, community, um, and that they're, um, they're just as, if not more so, um, recognizing of the problem and their responsibility in the problem, and they want a sustainable solution. And for GoBox, we try to make it as easy as possible to plug into their operations, um, with, with as little disruption as possible. Um, so it's really mutually advantageous, um, yeah, to work together. That's awesome. And yeah, uh, could you also explain a little bit for our listeners to what exactly GoBox is? Also sure. for some people who are not yeah. in the, the Portland area, because I feel like everybody knows GoBox here in Portland. Yeah, thanks. I hope so. <laughs> so GoBox, we're a reusable container and cup service. So what we're trying to do is eliminate the need for those single-use plastics that are um, typically with food and drink to go. So we're an on-demand service. We basically partner with vendors to host our inventory of reusables at their place. So somebody goes to their local cafe, the same cafe they go to every single morning, and our reusable cups are there in the cafe. And so they pull up the GoBox mobile app enter in a four-digit code specific to that location, and then they get a good-to-go screen. And all they need to do is show the good-to-go screen to the food vendor to verify that they have checked out a reusable. And then they get their, their drink or their meal served in our durables. Uh, after they're done, uh, they return it to a drop site. Again, they open up that mobile app. It's a really quick process um, of scanning a QR code. Um, and that registers the reusable as returned. Um, and it immediately resets their account so that as soon as they return a reusable, they have that credit available to then check out another. So we kind of have that accountability hook uh, worked in there just to help to train people that the way that this has to work is you got to bring it back for us to actually be able to reuse it. But by and large, people are, are using it uh, the right way. Um, there's definitely some karma aspects to it. You know, like when you scan that QR code, it's not particularly attached to that container or cup that you're dropping in the drop site. So you're telling us that you're returning something, but then you actually have to return it. You have to take that moment to open the lid and drop it inside. Um, but you know, we're a subscription service. People pay to use GoBox and it's because they want to support a system that's helping them uh, avoid single use plastics. So people are using it the right way, which is, it gives me a lot of hope for the future. You just added cups because I know that you guys had in, was it June that you guys launched your exactly. cup? Okay. Can you explain that too about what the process of that was and how did you decide to tackle single-use cups? Yeah, definitely. Um, so right to your point, since 2011, we've been really focused on just containers. We've been utilizing four different types of containers. Um, and you know, the addition of the cup just seemed like a really natural extension. Um and one that we could really in easily integrate into our existing business operations. So the Portland metro area, we go through 50 million single-use cups every single year. Um, and a lot of people think cups are recyclable because they feel like paper on the outside, um, but they're lined with plastic um, that you pour boiling hot coffee into. And uh, and so that plastic makes them non-recyclable. Um, and it is like one of the largest contaminators of recycling as well is are those single-use cups and the compostable containers as well that are also lined with plastic. So I just figured that um, obviously people want 
to have a more sustainable solution. Um, and so we kind of went through the process of, of finding the right product. That probably was the most time consuming aspect of it because we you know, our containers are made of a polypropylene number five. Uh, and there's a few different reasons why we've chosen to use the containers, even though they are plastic, they're really durable. They, um, take hundreds and hundreds of washings really well. They're really lightweight. Um, but I really want to avoid plastics for hot beverages, uh, due to the other kind of potential chemical concerns, uh, chemical compositions around uh, plastics and, and again, like pouring boiling hot liquids into them. So um, we found this product uh, that's manufactured by um, E Coffee Cup. They're based in the UK. And it's a bamboo fiber and cornstarch cup that has like two or 3% uh, plastic mammalane in it to just kind of bind everything together. Um, but it is primarily a, um, a plant-based product. It uh, has a silicone lid and um, super, super durable. Plus they look really great. Um, they're like this really sleek black kind of offset, like the the visual offset between the white cup with the black lid and ours yeah, is like a black really cup. nice. Yeah. <laughs> Minimal branding on there. Um, and we really wanted the cup product to be something that people were going to be proud to like walk around with and talk to people about and be like, what is that? And oh, it's GoBox. You haven't heard of the GoBox cup yet. Uh, but in terms of how people access it, it's the exact same way. They just open up the mobile app, check it out from their cafe and then return it um, to one of the drop sites so we can wash them, sanitize them, and then uh, restock our food vendors. Um, I guess since we're talking about, you know, how it just made sense for your business to transition into single use cups. Um, I kind of want to talk about like priorities, especially for your, your business, because I feel like there's so many little components and bits and pieces to the whole go box um, business. And how do you decide when to tackle a project or just to know what exactly makes sense for go box? Yeah. Uh, and that's my number one challenge day in and day out as a small business owner and as a first time entrepreneur. I'm like, am I doing this right? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it really comes down to a few different things. Uh, you know, it has to, we have to prioritize it against our core values. So it's keep it simple, um, do more good than harm and, and try to build community around our cause. Um, but there are a lot of competing demands. Um, you know, at this point it's like, What's working? What what's allowing us to grow? And um, what is allowing us to grow is is simply to be onboarding more food vendors, and encouraging more individuals to sign up for subscriptions. Um, that um, you know that supports when you're you're that's a vote with your dollar. When you sign up for a GoBox subscription, you're telling me that I support what you're doing and I want to see this grow. And and that's what I do with that revenue is reinvest it into the business and buy more inventory, buy more containers, um, make improvements to our system, try to make it more user-friendly. Our, our, our competition is single-use plastic, which is incredibly convenient for us, not so convenient for the planet. But every, every time we're thinking about how can we make this more accessible, we're thinking about that user-friendliness aspect of it and how do we kind of compete against the uh, convenience factor of single use. Um, so getting more drop sites out there where we've been working on branding, we've, uh, did a total redesign of our mobile app. Um, and, uh, next up is a total redesign of our back end system, which won't be like a forward facing improvement. Um, but we're going to build in some new features. Um, that'll definitely be valuable, like referral programs. So you can like, uh, encourage your friends to, to join GoBox. Um, so, uh, 
yeah, it all basically comes down to, um, you know, how is that, is that business investment, is that opportunity to prioritize it going to help us to reach our, our, our goals, which is, which is growth right now, not for just the sake of growth, but growth to continue to do right by our, our environment and our community. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where we are, but there's so many, I mean, like the list, the list of to do's or possible to do's is like a mile long and, um, like, you know, big, hairy, audacious goal sort of vision. We, are you familiar with the concept of loop? Yes. So, um, we envision ourselves as like a hyper localized loop where we're not only in the to go food and drink service, but we're also working with other small, um, product manufacturers here locally, like, uh, like home goods or cosmetics, or all of those things are currently packaged in single use. Even if it's a, um, a package, you know, you, it has your shampoo in it. So you're using maybe for five or six months, you still have to throw that away. What if it was in a reusable? Um, you know, it, it, it's not that far of a stretch to think in, in not too short a period of time, it would be awesome to partner with other small businesses that are producing things locally. And, and it's just bringing the power back to, back to us, back to our local community away from like the major kind of faceless corporations that have been, um, creating all kinds of damage, doing some good too, but like creating a lot of damage in the process. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I guess for our um, listeners to, um, talking a little about what loop is too. Um, so from what I understand they're um, I guess they're starting in New- like kind of New York, the East coast right now. Yes. Um, and they're partnering with pretty big companies yeah. like, um, Hazendas, 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 um, <laughs> got that right. Um, and then, uh, Crest I know too, yeah, that they're like Procter and Gamble. Like okay. we're talking about like the big umbrella companies that all those smaller brands that right. we recognize are, are based under. Okay. Gotcha. So they've partnered with them and many large companies too. And they, are creating kind of reusable um, options for their businesses. Yeah, what Loop has done, it's it's brilliant actually. Um, and Loop is a project of TerraCycle, which some of your listeners might be familiar with. But um, they basically went to Procter and Gamble and said, "Hey, you have a PR problem, and that is that all of the single-use waste that's washing up on our shores have your branding on it. Um, so it might be worth reconsidering." you know, your business model here and, and TerraCycle or Loop, uh, encouraged them to spend significant amount of, uh, money to do, uh, research and development toward producing reusable vessels. And so what Loop basically does is just handle the logistics of, um, of kind of being the online retail source for these products in reusable packaging that people can buy and it's shipped to them. Um, and then you use it. And when you're done, you send it back to TerraCycle, they wash it, um, and then send it back to Procter and Gamble. They fill it up with whatever product is in and then send it to the next consumer, which is great. That is something that totally needs to happen at that scale. But you would see, you would see GoBox being at a more local scale. Yeah, that's what I would that's what I would like to do is uh, you know, um we were talking offline uh, earlier about a local business called Utility. You know, if we could work with them um to to kind of plug in. And there's other like we've been talking with uh Red Dock Sauce. They produce um they're a local producer of uh, all kinds of tasty condiments, you know, ketchups and mustards and stuff like that. And they've approached us they they want to um they're approaching it in, a, in an absolutely brilliant way. I have to give them a lot of credit because they're like, we're forcing our customers to have to pay for a glass bottle every time they buy ketchup from us. And like, 
they don't need to buy a glass bottle from us. They just need to buy ketchup. So like, why don't we do a bulk dispenser and then they can just borrow a GoBox glass bottle, fill it up with mustard, take it home. And then in the same way, just bring it back. That would be so cool. Would be so, I know it gives me goosebumps <laughs> yeah, thinking about it. Yeah. Get my ketchup in a glass bottle. And save money. Yeah. Like it's literally an economic driver to be able to, to um, not have to pay for things that you don't need, that you don't want. So it's a win-win. Just have to throw away. Mm-hmm. You were talking about how being an entrepreneur for the first time. So did you know that you were going to be an entrepreneur? Was that something kind of as you were sort of like had so many different businesses, more like worked for so many different businesses? Did you kind of have that sort of itch of like at some point I want to have my own business? Yeah, it was. It's always been a goal to be a business owner. Um, I always thought that I was going to, and there's still time for this, I, I suppose, but I always wanted to um, have a bed and breakfast. Um, that was like particularly tailored to like adventure athletes, even like in this really cool place where they could come and basically have a bunkhouse and a place to shower and stuff like that. Um, so that, that was called, that was an idea that I always had, but, uh, I, it, it shocked me to, it shocked even myself when I signed the contract to acquire GoBox. I'm like, what am, what am I doing? Like tons of doubt, tons of self-doubt and tons of like, um, you know, as a lot of other, women have to deal with like that, um, complex is like, do I deserve to be in this space? Like, like there's probably so many other people that know more about materials managed than me. Like who, who am I to like kind of pick this up and, and do it. But, um, the remarkable thing about being a small business owner is that it's given me so much confidence to be like, you know, it doesn't matter what anybody else would do because it's you like this, you are here and it's up to you. And, uh, you know, you can judge yourself or you can just like not waste time on that and just like get down to business and and try to do what needs to be done here. So. I love that. That's <laughs> some great advice for for fellow um, entrepreneurs. And to that end, like uh, that's the other aspect that since becoming an entrepreneur, the collective community of of like a support network that has formed around me yeah. that I haven't even asked for. That people just come knocking and like, we want to help you be successful, yeah. has been a really really amazing. And I'm I'm really grateful for my business mentors and just my like my friends that aren't necessarily helping with business per se, but are like, let's go get some wine and like just get you out of this space for for a minute. And so that's that's great. That's awesome. And you've mentioned business mentors. So do you have um do you meet with them uh, monthly? Like how did you um form that group and kind of did you decide it when you had um, signed the papers and you're like, all right, now I need, you know, support from other business owners. How did you go about that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I immediately had an acquaintance of mine who has uh, been a long-term business owner and uh, he was one of the first uh, to call me up and say, we're going to start meeting monthly uh, for as long as you need to meet to talk about whatever you need to. And it was, it's very open-ended sort of, um, uh, business mentorship. It's almost like he, he helps me with the emotional aspect of it. Uh, he, he's like, you know what you need to do from a business perspective, um, like listen to your gut sort of a thing. Um, and so that's been really helpful, but you know, it changes over the course of the year, who I am as an entrepreneur has changed dramatically. And so, um, as I approach a new, uh, problem or a new challenge, then, um, I've learned to just who out there has encountered this problem before. I do not need to recreate a solution that has already been devised. Um, so I'll reach out to, uh, you know, Prosper Portland. I, I um, went through one of their peer-to-peer cohorts, and that was really helpful um, to not only have a, some business mentors that were, uh, you know, they provided 
kind of a, an, an agenda and we went through a number of, of kind of like overview business topics, but even more important was sitting at a table with like 12 other small business owners that are, that we can empathize together has been, has been super great. And then kind of moving on from that and, uh, now focusing more in kind of this the space that we're in this kind of zero waste sustainability space and and uh, connecting with other small businesses in that really specific space to be like how can we lift ourselves up together, um, and then in looking out in the future we're we're actively searching for funding right now, and so that's that's a whole new crazy thing that I'm learning all about but it's um it's just, and it's a really exciting opportunity to to find a good um, match with, uh, uh, an investor that is um, going to help provide a lot of mentorship, you know, and, and be like, okay, here's some capital. And now we're going to make sure that you spend it appropriately, um, so that you can leverage it in the best way possible. Yeah. How are you? Um, so you're saying for funding, how are you, how are you guys approaching that right now? Um, well, we've started by meeting up with a, um, there's a great organization here in Portland called Virtue Lab. And they're um, they're a group that kind of matches local businesses with opportunities to um, to accelerate their business, like be a part of these accelerator programs where you deep dive into how to scale a business. And then there's an opportunity at the end of that accelerator to apply for some investment money. Um, but the coolest thing is last week, actually, they held their Virtue Lab Impact Summit. It was this amazing opportunity to sit um, in the same space with uh, a bunch of different types of investors. We're talking everything from like traditional venture capitalists all the way down to like impact foundations. Um, and, uh, and so I had the opportunity to have a conversation there and we'll, we'll see how it goes. Wow. That's really exciting. Um, so I want to backtrack a little bit, um, for your business and, um, I'm just wondering, so you said that you redesigned the mobile part of the app too. How did you, um, how did you delegate that work? You know, was that when you had acquired the business, was that the first thing that you really wanted to tackle was that the mobile part? And then you, did you hire it out? What did the process look like? Sure. Yep. So, uh, Laura Weiss, our founder, she was, um, when GoBox first launched, we were a token based system. So people were actually carrying around something physical to exchange. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Back in 2011, so long ago. And then in 2015, she launched the first mobile app, um, and went through a few different iterations, but, um, our, our system is, is uh, you know, we have an Apple app and we have an Android app. So there's kind of two separate entities there. And then we have our back-end system that's kind of like the database brains of the whole thing. Yeah. And each of those um, assets were independently designed and built by um, like junior level developers. Um, and... And so it was a great way to kind of get it started and get it going. But there are definitely some issues as far as like inter-system communication. Uh, and um, and so it was causing negative user experiences as far as like the app's not working the way that it should or from an operational expect, uh, perspective, things that we expected to see in the database were in, inaccurate or weren't displaying properly. So it was one of the first things that I was like, we need to get, we need to get our technology shored up because it really is the heart of our, of our system and what makes it really easy for our subscribers, for our food vendors, and for us to manage what we're doing here. Um, and particularly the, the mobile apps being the interface, you know, we don't have a storefront. The mobile app is our storefront. It's the way that we communicate with our, our customers, our subscribers. Um, so we went through a rebranding process. We kind of updated our logo. Um, we, um, uh, 
yeah, did some other kind of design work and, uh, and I wanted all of that be, to be displayed in the mobile app. So, um, I went about finding that development firm that I could work with and it's a big, you know, there's a lot of options here in Portland. We're stacked as far as like, uh, development firms that are available. Um, pretty pricey, pretty, pretty like significant price tag. And as a small business, uh, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard ask. So on the opposite end, you know, we go from like hyper local, um, uh, firms to offshore firms. And that would be firms that are based in like India or, or overseas somewhere. Um, and they can do good work as well, um, for a much lower amount of money, but there's some challenges there as far as like, um, how do we communicate? Well, like you're in a completely different time zone. Um, maybe English isn't your native language and I don't speak any other language. I was, I was feeling a little intimidated by that option as well to be like, you know, I'm just a one person team. So how can I go about managing this development firm? That's like half world away. And I got really lucky in that somebody introduced me to a nearshore firm. So what a nearshore firm is, is kind of like happy median. And it's a, it's usually a firm that's based in Central or South America. Um, so they can offer uh, slightly more competitive rates, hourly rates, um, but they're in my same time zone. So I started working with this uh, group that's based out of Guadalajara. Um, it's called Alto Mobile, and um, they have a, they're a small business as well, and so it's felt really good to be like, hey, let's grow our businesses together, and um, it's very easy to coordinate them. They have been producing some really excellent work. In fact, um, over the past few days, I've been like highly we're we're just in the process of. Um, launching a new licensed system this next week. And so there's, this is like 11th hour. I've been on the phone with them constantly. Like this, this last thing needs to be done and change that word. And like this color needs to be updated. Um, but it's been great to work with them and, and we intend to continue to work with them. Yeah. So you're, so you said that, um, there's this licensing licensing part. So could you explain that a little bit too? Sure. Yeah. So that's how GoBox has, um, looked to expand to this point is through our licensing program. So basically what that, it's similar to a franchise. Um, so like McDonald's and, and individuals or organizations can purchase a license. Basically they, they buy the recipes, you know, they buy the digital assets that GoBox produces. Um, and we spin off a, a new system for them. And then we train them on how the system works and how to build their business. And then we hand them the keys and say, there you go. You independently own and operate a GoBox system in your community. So, uh, the very first go box license system to launch was in 2015 in San Francisco. Um, so that was before my time. Um, but that licensee continues to, to work with us and, uh, is building out their system in San Francisco. It's really exciting to, for them to be down there. Um, as we were talking earlier, there's so much going on in California right now around single use waste. And so, um, super good opportunity. Um, but there's, I mean, we get inquiries from folks around the world interested in like, how do I bring GoBox to my community? And, um, and it's, um, you know, it's such a cool thing, not only to see GoBox grow and, and know that like we have the impact to, increase our, our, we have the opportunity to really grow our impact. Um, but the opportunity to empower other individuals to be small business owners as well in their community, to hire people in their community, um, is, is really, really cool. So we, um, we're working to launch a few new license systems this fall. Um, hopefully one in Bend, Oregon before the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, working with some really cool people out there. And then, um, 
really exciting to have a couple of systems that are coming on board in New York, both in, in yeah, New York City, both in pilot program sort of modes. Um, but um, yeah, it'll be one is one is looking to kind of plug into corporate cafeterias because there's um, basically all those high rises in downtown Manhattan have uh, cafes internally to make it very easy for people to to fuel themselves during their workday, and so let's just plug GoBox into that space. Super easy, kind of closed environment. So I'm working with a citizens committee group that got um, a grant from the EPA to to try that. So that's uh, that's amazing. Um, that's probably launching in a few weeks, and then. Um, super exciting. You know, the thing that the next thing on the to-do list is to get, um, a custom branded license system. So that is basically our same assets, but rather than it saying go box all over the place, um, we're customizing it for a uh, restaurant chain that's based in Manhattan. They have like 35 locations in Manhattan. And so this is their, their custom, you know, reuse system. And so their customers are going to be able to utilize durable, reusable bowls anytime they eat at one of these locations, um, which is, which is really cool. And I, and I can't say who it is just yet, but we're going to launch, uh, next week, hopefully. Wow. Yeah. We're so <laughs> close. Um, and that's going to be really exciting. I mean, they're, they're such a great group to be working with and they, they totally get it. They're like similar to new seasons. They understand their part and want to do something to, um, to help combat it. So that's incredible. And so you also said that you're a one woman team. So how do you, how do you go about managing it all? Um, I mean, it seems like you're pretty good at like getting out into nature and, you know, really taking the time to, you know, take care of yourself for that too. But I mean, you're talking with people all around the world and in New York and San Francisco and Bend, Oregon. How, how do you, how do you manage it all? Gosh, I, I have like, I have like 200 emails in my inbox right now. <laughs> Sorry to anybody that's emailed me and I haven't responded. I, I will get back to you. Uh, it's, it's really challenging. I mean, and, uh, but it feels like, um, it's an exciting challenge because people want to work with me. So I try not to let myself get uh, too overwhelmed and too intimidated. I try to be, um, at least say like, Hey, I'm sorry that it's taken me a really long time to respond. I'm, I really want to work with you, but give me a little bit more time sort of thing. We're just like in this crazy growth phase right now. It all kind of comes down to, um, the hardest, the hardest thing as a small business owner that I've yet to be able to figure out is, um, building a team. Um, and because there's a big responsibility in bringing on employees, or I see a big responsibility there as far as like, you're trusting me to provide you with your livelihood and, ex- you know, in exchange for helping me grow this business, but it's a big responsibility. I don't, I don't, um, at all costs, I would like to avoid building out this really big team and then having to, having to shrink it, you know? So, um, it's, it's hard to know when's the right time to, to bring people on board, but now, now is the right time. <laughs> it's, it's right now. Um, and certainly, um, some capital would, uh, would make that transition a little bit easier. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that day when I can give some of my control away to somebody else and say, I, you know, uh, I handpicked you, um, and because you're, you're uniquely, um, kind of experienced or, or have great skills that are going to help us grow, go box here in Portland or internationally. Um, and, and to be totally honest, I'm not a, a complete one person, one person team. I do have two people that help me with operations. 
and then I do now have a kind of a business, um, uh, uh, new business manager that's helping me onboard vendors. So we're like slowly kind of bringing on people. Um, at this point, it's been in a, a contractor capacity, but um, very soon we look to to build out a, a team of employees. So that's going to be a big big step for us. That's really exciting for your business. Um, so I think you you already talked about, um, is there anything else you want to add on what's um, next for your business? Well, here in Portland, we are trying to devise a strategy that would allow us to expand into Washington County. There's a lot of interest in Washington County. Um, our biggest hurdle is um, because here in Portland, we're largely, um, we do most of our operations by bike and trailer is that, um, you know, looking 20, 30 miles outside of town becomes a pretty significant operational hurdle. So more than likely what I'll look to do is kind of build out a sister system out there that will allow us to be just more mindful about our, our carbon footprints. You know, it, it, it kind of, uh, I don't know the exact math, but in, in, my back of the napkin kind of uh, guesstimation is that even though it's great we're providing reusable containers, if we're driving those reusable containers from Washington County into Portland to wash them and then drive them back out to Washington County, it's like, you know, uh, the math, the carbon footprint math might not work out to our advantage there. So we would look to find a washing facility in Washington County so that we could keep the containers there rather than having to transport them back and forth. Um so, uh, but it's very exciting and there's a lot of food vendors and a lot of corporate partners. Um, we were in fact, um, talking with a large credit union, first tech credit union that has their big corporate office in Hillsborough and they have food trucks that visit daily. Um, and they want to plug GoBox into that kind of system, which would be great. I mean, that's the type of people that we want to be working with and is going to support our expansion in that capacity. Um, there's also a, a great group of really motivated people based in hood river that are trying to get us to expand out that direction as well. Um, Vancouver, Washington, right over the bridge, tons of opportunity there. So I think not only are we looking to expand, uh, through our licensing program, but we're, we're not going to stop growing Portland. Like Portland is the model right now, uh, of public reuse systems. There, there are some great reuse systems operating in Europe, um, in a, in a sort of, sort of different capacity. Um, our, our real differentiator is that our mobile app has that built-in account accountability measure that's really helpful to actually train consumers on how to reuse. But the other service that we provide um, that's really valuable for a lot of our food vendors is the washing part. Uh, most of our food vendors don't have, they either don't have wash, dishwashing equipment at all or they don't have the bandwidth to uh, add any capacity to their current dishwashing operations. So for us to take dirty containers away, wash them ourselves, and then just show up with more clean containers, um, again, is just a very easy way to plug into their operations with very little disruption. So I love that. Um, I love that you see like kind of everything as a win-win, you know, it's, it's, it's better for, for you as a company and it's better for the people that you work with too. And, and, and I guess it's a, the third of your priorities is, you know, community. So yeah. I think you're really, um, you're really awesome at tiring, tying all that in. Yeah. Um, it's a circular system. I mean, that's the way that it's built too. And you do such a good, you do such an amazing job. Um, yeah. Um, oh yeah. Okay. So, um, for our final one, um, what is one piece of advice that you give for a fellow ecopreneur that is just starting out or is just slowly building a business? Yeah. I would say, you know, be, be really clear on your vision, like focus, focus on your first vision. There, there's so many, um, I'm, 
fixing our mess that we're in uh, is very complex and it's so tied into so many other social justice issues, economic issues, and it can get really overwhelming um, to just be like, how do I solve all these problems at, at, in one fell swoop? Um, and it can almost get to the point where you find yourself um, not progressing because you're, you're just like, well, what about this? Well, what about that? So focus in on what you think will be most successful, that you're most passionate about, that you see the biggest um, consumer problem, because that's what it comes down to is like, you need to make it easy to, to solve a problem that a consumer has. So, so spin it on that angle and, um, and, and go, go after it, you know, and, and talk to those resources, ask for help. Don't, don't be so bold that you think you have the answers, um, that, you know, it's, it's, um, you, there is a supportive network out there that wants to help you. And so allow them to do that. Um, and, um, for myself as kind of like, um, when I take my professional hat on, I'm, I'm very much an activist at my core. Um, and, um, being an activist in the space is, uh, demanding and draining and burnout is a very real thing. Um, and so it is for me, um, I have found it's absolutely vital to make sure I'm taking care of myself. If my self care suffers, then my business suffers because it is so closely intimately tied together. So, um, even if it's just like, I can only squeeze in like 10 minutes of yoga, but like, okay, good. I got that. And like, and it does, it does something to you physio physiologically that is, um, advantageous for how your day will go. Even just setting intentions for, you know, an, an hour, I have an hour to respond to emails or something like that. And, and what is your intention for that time? And just being really mindful about it. Um, cause we're, we're trying to build ecopreneur, uh, you know, those of us in this space, we're trying to do something that's distinctively different. We're trying to turn the entire model on its head. And, um, and so, uh, that's, I've always just kind of drawn that line in the sand and been like, we're not trying to build a standard company. We're trying to build something different. And I know you, you're telling me that I could be more effective if I just drive a car around to do all my deliveries, but like, that's not, that the line is drawn in the sand and it's a, uh, I'm going to use that as a competitive advantage. You think it's a, you think it's not, but I'm going to make it that way. So how can um, one connect with you? Please uh, visit goboxpdx.com. That's kind of our central uh, website for Portland, our Portland system. And uh, click on that contact us, send, send me an email, add it to the to the inbox. I'm pro I promise I'll get back to you. Um, or, you know, reach out on LinkedIn, um, connect with us on our social media, goboxpdx um, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, talk to your friends about what you're passionate about. Um, and if you, if there's somebody out there that wants to collaborate, like, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's change the world together. Thank you, Jocelyn, for yeah. your just wonderful I'm so grateful list. for the opportunity to talk with you and, and have a chance to connect with all your listeners. Hey, Kupanurs. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, come on over and join me at The Zero Waste Habit. I'd love to hear your story and what positive impacts you're making in the world. Anyways, I hope you're having an awesome day and I hope to see you in the next episode. 